Okay, so tonight's message is called The Ultimate Fighter. Uh, they they kind of had to follow Mike's boxing thing. They, um, the very first message that Joy and I uh, heard when we came to LCMF was uh, about Krav Maga. And if you guys don't know what Krav Maga is, Krav Maga is the Israeli um, fighting system, and it just means fighting in a continuous motion. Um, so, so I've been thinking about that, and uh, if you guys didn't know, I've been training in um, mixed martial arts and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and all that kind of stuff for the past uh, few months now. Um, and have things kind of come to light about what we have to do um, as Christians um, about being more well-rounded. Um, Krav Maga speaks of being able to defend and attack in, from every direction, just like the enemy's gonna attack us, and we don't know what direction the enemy's gonna attack us and how we're gonna have to, have to defend. And when Mike spoke about boxing, that's one aspect of fighting. Um, that in boxing, you can only use your hands. And you guys probably have never been in a fight before, but most fights end up on the ground. And you have to be able to defend yourself and that stuff on the ground and boxing wouldn't work for that. Um, well, as, as I was just praying about the message and, and thinking about um, what things how this can apply to to the word, I started thinking about um, about James 2, 14 through 17. Um, everybody knows it. Uh, faith without works um, is dead. And, and the American church system has one aspect of it, right? They have the faith to an extent, because we've learned what faith is. Faith without obedience is not faith at all. Um, but what we've learned from that scripture is you have to be well-rounded. Um, just like um, a pastor can't be a pastor if he doesn't know how to counsel somebody. A pastor can't be a pastor if he's not willing to um, go out and serve the sheep. And the same way for us, we can't be Christians and and just read the word without any action. But at the same time, we can't be full of action and not know the word. That's a good point. Um, let me kind of give you guys a little background about how mixed martial arts kind of came about. Um, back in the early 90s, there was an organization called the Ultimate Fighting Championship that started. And that was the first time where you could see Gabe stand up. Come up here, Gabe. Oh, God. Don't hurt you, Gabe. Um, Mike Hutchinson, <laughs> please come down. Uh oh. You might want to submit now, Gabe. <laughs> <laughs> if you see these two guys stand next to each other, um, who would you think would win? <laughs> but that was the first time um, all around the world that people were able to see somebody 
Gabe size, it was a guy named Boyce Gracie that was defeating guys that was a lot bigger than him. And it wasn't, and it wasn't strength, you know, because in regular fighting, people think that it's, it's just pure strength that uh, wins fights. But it's, it's all about leverage and what you know and being patient. You know, the, the key is being patient. Um, and that's how Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu um, came about because that's, it, it was a self-defense where a little person can defend themselves against somebody bigger than themselves. Um, and like somebody like Gabe can choke me out and he has choked me out before and made me tap. <laughs> I taught him too much. So how do we, how do we become more well-rounded um, in the faith? Well, the way we become more well-rounded is learn from the experience that, learn from the experiences that God has placed in front of us. Um, learn from the trials. Um, can you guys turn to James one two? Okay, so it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So the more trials that you go through, the more complete you'll be, the more well-rounded you'll be. Um, how many of us learn to get out of a situation by not being in a situation. No, we learn how to get out of a situation by being in those situations prior. Um, Exodus, um, can you guys turn to Exodus 14? Yes. looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Moses answered the people, Do not be afraid. Stand firm, and you will, be, and you will see the deliverance. The Lord will, will bring you today. The Egyptians, the Egyptians you see today will never see, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You, only, you need only to be still. When I was reading that, it was like, how many of us, uh, well, we've all, all of us have been in slavery. We were all in slavery to sin at one point before we found the Lord. How many of us have gone through situations and we're like, we forget, we forget about what God has taken us out of. And, and we're, we're crying out and we're like, 
let us be back in the world so we don't have to suffer. You know, how, how many of us um, have thought that before? Or if, if I was in the world, you know, my life would have been this way. I, I wouldn't have to go through all this. Yeah, you wouldn't have to go through all this because you'd be serving um, the enemy. You know, and I don't want, I don't want to say that. Um, throughout the word, you know, it's, it's not us uh, doing the fighting. It's the Lord uh, doing the fighting for us and preparing the way for us uh, to fight. In Deuteronomy 1, 26 through 23, um, I believe it's the Melchites that they're fighting. Um, sorry, let me turn to it. Yeah, you said Deuteronomy what? 1, 26 through 23. Can you read that? But you were unwilling to go up. You rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. You grumbled in your tents and said, The Lord hates us. So he brought us up out of Egypt to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us. Where can we go? Our brothers have made us lose heart. They say the people are stronger and taller than we are. The cities are large with walls up to the sky. We even saw the Anakites there. Then I said to you, do not be terrified. Do not be afraid of them. The Lord your God who is going before you will fight for you as he did in Egypt before your very eyes and, and in the desert. There you saw how the Lord your God carried you as a father carries his son all the way you went until you reached this place. In spite of this, you did not trust in the Lord your God who went ahead of you on the journey in fire by night and in a cloud by day to search out places for you to camp and to show you the way that you should go. So the Lord went out and prepared the way for them. Um, and that to be reminded, that to be reminded of everything that they've been through before and all the times that the Lord has carried them out. Now, if you look at your life, how more well-rounded are you because of all the things that you've experienced through your life? Amen. Um, can you guys turn to Nehemiah 4.20? to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people. The work is extensive and spread out, and we are widely separated from each other along the wall. Wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there. Our God will fight for us. So what's going on here is so re rebuilding um, um, Jerusalem's wall and while the enemies come to attack them. So how, how many of us 
you know, in the midst of doing something, you you feel the enemy coming. You're like, okay, I gotta go do something else to protect myself. But no, they continue the task. Um, I know a lot of us in here hate change. We we hate um, changing our plans and stuff like that. But sometimes we have to to advance the kingdom. You know, is isn't like what Zeke said. It's not about us. You know, it's, it's not about us at all. Um, if your brother needs help, something. You had plans to go dinner. You know, who cares? Your brother needs help. Uh, and even if it's not your brother, if it was a stranger, that's advancing the kingdom. You know, we we have to remember that that is not about us anymore. It's, it's about whatever we can do to to glorify the kingdom and to make our father happy. In Psalms 35, um, David is praising the Lord. Um, his enemies are are against him and everything, but he's like, he has that confidence that that the Lord's gonna fight for him, and that the Lord's put him in situations where, you know, he's he's fully confident of himself that um, he's gonna make it through because of all the experiences that he's gone through. You know, who did he defeat? Goliath. You know, which was probably a hundred times bigger than Gabe. You know, and David was probably about Gabe's size. Um, that age, yeah, there's a young man. And how many people would have? Uh, actually, most of the people would not step up to fight, but David did. And the Lord loved him for that. And you know, even though David made his mistakes, the one thing that was honored was he was obedient every single time the Lord told him um, to move. Amen. First Corinthians nine, Paul talks about you know not wanting to to fight as if he's just beating the air. And in boxing is good because we we saw how much um, Zeke was shadow boxing that last message. Um, it, it gets you in shape, but. You know, when it when it comes, there's there's one quote that Matt told me a long time ago um, that I'll never forget is, you know, if you're on a road and you never um, run into the enemy, you're going in the wrong direction. Mm. You know, because because apparently if you're walking, you know, you're going the same way. <laughs> and that's not good. And, and that's kind of how I see, you know, boxing in the air a lot of times is, you know, you can swing and practice how to punch and kick and, and stuff like that until you get hit. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not fun when you get hit. Um, but once you get hit, you know what to expect. You know, you start knowing how to dodge a little point. You, you start um, knowing how to block and, and counterattack. You know, and... And that's why we have our trials. That's why 
God puts us in these situations, you know, not to punish us, but to prepare us. Because what we've been learning in um, foundations is the worst is yet to come. You know, every everything that has happened in the past and and will happen is going to get worse. And that's gonna and that's what's going to separate um, the true believers and and the ones that are all taught. You know, the ones that are willing to um, die for the gospel. And we see it all around the all around the world, and you know we're so set in our ways that you know, dying for the gospel is um, missing out on a value meal to put in the missions um, bucket. Second <laughs> um, Corinthians ten. Who do you think you fight with the most? With ourselves. Um, and that's what Second Corinthians 10 talks about. Um, starting three. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine powers to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments in every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ and we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your dis- once your obedience is complete so the number one thing that I fight with is myself um, I fight with confidence fight with um, fleshly desires um, and that's our and that's our biggest enemy that's that's we have to learn to and that's why it's so important to know the word and keep yourself active within the body um, because you another way that you get well rounded you hang around there you you learn what each other has been through and what each other um, needed to get over those situations. Because all of us will one day encounter the same situation. You know, um, don't hide yourself. You know, um, don't make the excuse that you're a own body. You know, that's where you need to fight yourself and get up and call up a brother or sister and Say, hey, let's hang out, have a game night, have a worship session, um, you know, something like that to um, build off each other.
this past weekend, uh, which is really cool, because this past weekend, I took Gabriel to a um, jiu-jitsu tournament, and, and it was, the, and what it was, was it was a jiu-jitsu tournament um, that was started by a church, um, and it was a new church out in Katie, but it was the opportunity for, because most of the people that are in MMA, you know, are not out of the kingdom, you know, um, that's no surprise. But at the same time, you know, we shouldn't be close off to it because we, our goal is to advance the kingdom, you know, and, and this church used the opportunity to um, throw a tournament and at the same time, um, stop everybody and for about half an hour to preach, you know, about the gospel and what the gospel did in, in the pastor's life, and which I thought was awesome. Um, and I just want you guys to, you know, um, keep reminding yourselves that there's always an opportunity to speak to somebody about the Lord. Always. Um, whether you think it is or not, and and honestly, 
the biggest testimony of uh, God in your life is right here. It's your mouth. It's, it's the smile. It's the presence that you have when you're around people. Um, that's how Joy and I came to the Lord. It, it wasn't people preaching to us. You know, it was um, two very godly people um, showing love by what they did. You know, and inviting us to an awesome practice for <laughs> But their perseverance by, and not giving up on us. You know, uh, just because just because somebody says no one time. You know, it's like sales. You know, you're you're going to try to sell it to 100 people. You might sell one or two, you know, but you know, those one or two will, will give referrals and stuff like that. And that's how you advance the kingdom. You know, and I've seen so many times where um, people go out and too pushy and you stir people away. Um, so what do you think our toughest fight is? Is to hold on to the faith. First uh, Timothy says that. Yeah. Um, the toughest fight is holding on to the faith and keeping a good conscience. And Paul tells um, Timothy to continue to continue to fight for the faith, and that's what we need to do. We need to um, constantly uh, fighting our own desires and and, and trying to figure out ways um, that we can do to advance the kingdom and <coughs> keeping our hearts right so we can live with a pure with a good conscience. Yeah. And then in Second Timothy we have to finish the fight. Yeah. You can start the fight, but if you don't finish, there's no point. Yeah. You're just a quitter. Um I know a few of you guys watch um UFC with me and you can always tell who the quitter is. Because the quitter is the person that once they're put up against the cage, they just hide. They just fall up. Um, the quitter is the person who gets put in a submission, but doesn't try to fight back and just taps. You know, um, there's T-shirts going around that says Jesus didn't tap. Um, <laughs> um, and at the same time, when when the trials and stuff um, come. We need to fight as much as we can against that submission or against those um, blows that are being thrown at us. And this is what you fight with. Amen. You fight with the word. Amen. You fight with your brothers. Um, you know, fighting is a one-person sport, but there's always three men. There's always, you always have your corner men that are yelling out what to do. And we have the best corner man of all. We have Jesus. Yeah. And all you have to do is just be silent, stick to the game plan, and listen to him. And we'll make it through. Amen. Amen. Amen.
I'm not sure what to think about John involving my sons in jujitsu. <laughs> if they started by choking him out, I'm sure that I'm next. <laughs> It's, it's worth pointing out at this moment that there will definitely be a day that the Stevens boys will be able to take their dad, but there will never be a day that they'll be able to take all the men in the church and we'll stand together, amen? <laughs> this is important because in the kingdom you're often outmatched. I mean, that's just the reality. The whole world stands against you. The whole power of hell stands against you and so you can feel outmatched. Romans 12 teaches us that there is a constant pressure upon you to conform to the desire of the enemy. Uh, what John said about MMA is true in all athletics. When we played undisciplined teams that were more talented than us, if they were losing in the second quarter, they dropped like flies in the second half. That's just how that works because they had no heart. One of the real questions in the kingdom is has God filled your heart? Has He changed it so that you will persevere and listen to the voice of your coach? The reality is that it is overwhelming, that you feel very smothered, <coughs> that there are times that you can't see which way is up because you're staring through the helmet, the hole in the helmet of your salvation. This is when it is important to be led by the Spirit of God. If you are a Christian, it is sure that you're going to get into trouble. Everybody who quotes Psalm 91 needs to remember the context of Psalm 91. I will be with him in trouble, and I will deliver him, for he calls upon me. Uh, where we get acquainted with our Savior is when we're in great trouble. One of the scriptures that John read was Deuteronomy 1.33. And in Deuteronomy 1.33, God said that He went ahead of the people to search out the places for them to camp. What this quite literally means is that He intentionally put them at times where there was no water. He intentionally put them at times where there was no food. Deuteronomy 8 actually says that He caused them to hunger so that He could use that hunger to teach them. This is not any different than in John's MMA classes. They will put Him in a compromised position so that he has to keep a cool head and listen to the coach and learn technique. In the kingdom, this works exactly the same way. Our king allows us into position after position so that he can coach us out of it and show us how to overcome. How difficult it is for us when we're obstinate or stubborn. In Nehemiah 4, John read 19 and 20, but the 23rd verse said that even when the people went to go get water, they did not take off their clothes or their sword. This was for a reason. They were aware all of the time that they were in contention with the enemy and there was no water break. Right? Those of you that have participated in some kind of team sport, do you remember the people that lived for the water break? They were heroes of the warm-up. I mean champions of every practice. But when it came time for contention with the enemy, they were riding the pine somewhere. Well, now our pine is our pews. This is warm-up. This is practice. We can all be heroes of the faith when surrounded by the huddle of the faithful. The better question is, what are we when we are overwhelmed and in those compromising positions 
in the world. I know exactly what it's like to have my work environment put me in a situation that is unfitting for Christians. And then you get the opportunity to either be a light that shines brightly or to put it under a bushel and try to fit in. I want to encourage you, church, that we ought not be the kind that fits in. Would somebody please read 2 Corinthians 10, 18? Read it loud. For it is not the one who uh, commends himself who is approved, but the one whom the Lord commends. Read it again, Dustin. Stand up and read it. For it is not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one whom the Lord commends. It's entirely possible that we could speak kind thoughts to ourselves in the mirror every day. You could look at yourself and say, gosh darn it, you're a winner. And people like you. Some people might even have been encouraged to do that aside from the Saturday Night Lights live skit. But the reality is what matters is what our king thinks of us. And do you know when you learn what he thinks of you? In those moments where you have nothing left and you hear his voice. In those moments where nobody is watching and you still serve. In those moments where you do not want to serve and yet you have crucified your desires with him on the cross and you have taken up his desire. When Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 6.12 to fight the good fight, to hold on to the faith with a good and sincere conscience, this was not a joke. It is an actual fight. Paul spent most of his time writing letters from prison. The things that he contended with there are no different than what we contend with in prison now, except there was no air conditioning or cable television. And it was not enough to simply believe on Jesus. He had to do the things that Jesus told him to do. He had to match his belief with obedience and do that with a sincere conscience. John began his message today by saying all faith and no action or all action and no faith. Well, all faith and no action is idle and unproductive. It stands in the huddle and talks about what a good game we will one day play, but never actually competes with the enemy. All action and no faith is fruitless humanitarian efforts. Run around, you can feed everybody and you'll never have enough to feed them all. The better question is, have you done today what the Lord told you to? Or did you put your head in the sand and pretend that it wasn't necessary? Church, I pray that we can answer that question honestly. And I know it's a Wednesday night. Your temptation is to doodle. Your temptation is to let your thoughts drift. You have busy days tomorrow, right? You have work. You have all of these things to do. But at the end of the day, will the Lord commend you? Or will you only be commending yourself? You know, in a secular job, you have performance evaluations. In the kingdom, the Holy Ghost is giving you your performance evaluation every hour of every day if you're listening. Despite the popular messages that we often hear, the word that He gives you is not always you're a champion. Sometimes it is, you're capable of more. You're better than this. I tell you, stand up. You can do it. Sometimes that is the word. I want to encourage you to take the time to hear what the Spirit is saying to you. Take the time to find out what He wants of you. Your duty to God did not start and finish by walking through this door and warming this seat. 
Your duty to God is to be led by His Spirit every moment of the day. You have an obligation, friends, but it is not to a sinful nature to indulge its passions. It is to the Spirit of God and obedience to Him is not optional. No matter how many men preach from this pulpit or how many women preach from this pulpit, we have one message in this church. Obedience is not optional. My feeling is that as you pursue the harvest in all diligence and all obedience, that nothing will stop you. But I want to tell you from first-hand experience, all the power of hell will align to try to stop you. If it was easy, you fill in the blank with who would do it. But if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. So the question is, are you facing opposition? If not, why not? If the enemy is not at war with you, is there a reason? Did you make a peace treaty with him through apathy? If there is opposition, then be proud. Be proud that you're a son of God and the glory of God rests on your shoulders. Pray for the courage to finish the work that he gave you to start. Because it's not the man who starts the race who will be commended. Amen, Brother Zeke is the man who finishes it. Who's been all day doing that Bible study today. I pray that you finish the race. God brought you here to get this message inside of you. And I pray you get a little Holy Ghost tenacity that tells your flesh when it's tired, shut up, you're not the boss of me. Would you like to say that? Shut up, you're not the boss of me. The flesh is not the boss of us. You can also speak to the environment around you and say, I will not yield to your pressure today. No, thank you. There is only one voice that you have an obligation to hear. It's not your pastor's. It's not your spouse's. It's nobody's except the Holy Ghost. But you need to realize that the Holy Ghost will often speak through other people. So listen and wait carefully. Is the voice that is speaking to you God's Word for you today? Or is it simply what your itching ears wanted to hear? God knows there's enough itching ears out there and enough placating messages. God brought you here this day to ask you the question. Do you submit to the enemy's will or do you submit to him? I pray that you're able to answer that with all confidence. I love you. I'm excited that you're here. I'm thankful that John preached this message. I'm thankful that he takes the interest in our young people that he does. John is not paid. John was not asked to do the things that he did. John and Joy came, came to me and said, I believe this is a need in the church that we want to meet. And their lives have blossomed and grown. There was a day when they did not know a single scripture in the Word. And today they live it day in and day out. What I love most is that I see them encounter serious obstacles, just like you. I see them fight with things like depression and discouragement. I see them fight with unfulfilled promises. All of those things. And yet with a tenacious faith, they persevere. These are not broken eyelash Christians that go sit on the pew, tiny bench, and get out of the game because they have hurt feelings. They press in because they hear the voice of their coach. Can you say amen for that? Amen. amen. This is not praise for John and Joy. This is praise for what God will do in any willing human being. Do you have an unsurmountable situation tonight? Are you sitting there thinking, Pastor, if you knew my situation, you would know why I cannot do whatever. I want to tell you that God brought you here tonight because your situation is not as big as him. 
I want to invite you to begin telling your problems just how big your God is. Rather than constantly telling your God how big your problems are. I want to encourage you to stop complaining in your prayer. And start speaking words of encouragement that the Word says. Church, you have the potential to be amazing. In this room, we have people that are meant to touch the nations. We have people that are meant to raise families. We have game-changing, life-changing people in this room. But I've been in the company of those people before, and I want to tell you, very few actually rise to their call. Why don't you rise to your feet as we pray that we rise to our call. John read to us 2 Corinthians 10. He said the weapons that we wage war with are not the weapons of this world, nor do we fight by the standards of this world. This world is ugly. It is subtle. It is subversive. It works through dissension and faction. And all of those things enter a person through their very thoughts. We are loving, bold, straightforward. We let everybody know where we stand and what our purpose is right up front. Because we don't think that we need subtlety to overcome the enemy. Our king died publicly before the whole world and was raised again before many witnesses. There is no hidden battle plan here. There is simply you and your ability to take the power that God has given you to constrain your thoughts, to put down your selfish desires and stand up and do God's will. This is how we wage war. We've given up on things like pretension, claims as to who is right. We've given up on pretense, how we look to everyone around us. And instead, we take every thought that comes our way captive. We make it obedient to what we know about Jesus and His will for us. These are the men and women who are forceful and advance the kingdom. Not the ones who stand around and commend themselves and write books about themselves. I believe that on that day, Many people will not know the names of the heroes in the faith because they serve God on dirt floors and straw huts and in storefront churches and housewives with babies on their knees. The man who is to be praised is the one that tells the world no but never tells Jesus no. Is that something that you want to do, church? Yes. We've heard of message after message on submission and on obedience. After a while, it can become like a clanging gong. It can just be a love song that we hear and are moved by, but don't do. I ask you frequently, think of one thing that the Lord is moving on you to do. And then by the end of the day tomorrow, make sure it is not undone. When Zeke preached last week, I did not leave this parking lot before I had done it. Because I know good and well that if I procrastinated it today, greater chance I would procrastinate it tomorrow. Slow obedience is no obedience. When the Lord speaks to you, do it. Amen? Amen. Run to it. You ready to pray? Yes. You want to do something extraordinarily weird? Yes. Yes. The two of you. That's all right. The rest are smart enough not to answer until they hear what it is. And we're in. And we trust you, you. Join hands with the people around you. If all of those who claim to be Christians joined hands right now around the world, it would probably span the globe. If all those who did 
what Jesus told them to do, join hands right now, we might not span the great state of Texas. But I pray in this room there's not a person with join hands that tells the Holy Ghost no today. Ask Him to impart into you one thing that you can do for the kingdom. Not a year from now, one thing you can do for the kingdom right now. And then before the sun goes down tomorrow, see to it that it is done. Then you'll feel the approval of the Father. And my God, does that feel good. I lived without it for years. I don't want to go another day without it. Let's pray. Mighty God, Lord, I thank You. I thank You that You are not a dumb idol. That You are not a stone that does not speak. You are not some image that people marvel at but has no substance. You are the living God who is active, who moves in His people and cares for us. Lord, I thank You that You have gone before us. You have searched out the places for us to camp. Lord, I ask that You would move in us now. That You would speak to us as a church body. One thing that we could do before the day is over tomorrow that would be a blessing to Your kingdom. Lord, that would show our obedience. Lord, I ask You further like a greedy child that You would also give me the strength to do it. The courage to carry it out. Lord, and that I could be filled with joy in Your approval when it is done. Lord, train me. I am like a dumb mule that needs You to put a bit in my mouth. But I only want to be led by You, mighty God. And no one. I'm asking, mighty one, that right now as we open the heavens, You would fill us with will, the knowledge of Your will. Mighty God, that You would set our hearts now as we yield to You upon doing Your will. Lord, that You would leave nothing undone in our lives. No unconquered area. But that we could join with You now even as we join hands with each other. Lord God, that Your kingdom might advance from obedience prompted by faith in this room. In the name of Yeshua, God's people said, Amen.